0: from every direction. So how do you know what's fake and what's legit? Well, a new bill is being floated in Springfield. It would require Illinois schools to give kids a good foundation in media literacy by teaching it in high schools. In a bit, we'll hear from an expert who's worked with teachers on the media literacy curriculum. But first, we are joined by Democratic State Senator Karina Villa. Senator Villa, what made you want to be the chief sponsor on the Senate side for this bill?
1: So I actually used to be a school social worker for 15 years and I really think that it's important since our young people are getting the majority of their information through media that this media literacy um, education is just so important and critical and and that's why um, I hopped on as the chief sponsor for the bill. What does the bill include? So the bill itself defines um, media literacy as the ability to access, analyze, evaluate, create, and communicate using a variety of mediums, including, but not limited to print, visual, interactive, and digital text. So basically how to understand the workings of relationships between modern technology and understanding how to react to the flow of information, ranging from analyzing to creating it. it. You know, the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus passed HB 2170 which was the education pillar that already mandates a year-long computer literacy course and HB 234 simply adds a media literacy component to that course.
0: So when you think back to your time then as a school social worker does this bill as it presents itself now does it do some of the things that you had hoped were already in place back in your day?
1: Yes absolutely so just really guides educators in helping them teach children, navigate social media and misinformation. Uh, And it's also going to ensure that students learn the 21st century literacy skills that they need for health, well-being, and economic success.
0: Now, the, the bill passed out of the Senate Education Committee last week. What kind of feedback did you receive from your colleagues in Springfield?
1: Oh, I think it was an overwhelmingly positive response. People see this. A lot of our colleagues have children themselves and want to make sure that their own children are not falling prey to misinformation. In fact, Senator Christina Pizianizai testified in committee about how her daughter has already begun the process of learning about navigating uh, online information.
0: Uh, the Republican State Senator Terry Bryant was questioning how objective schools could actually be in in teaching students how to separate real news from misinformation. I'm curious how you respond to that type of criticism.
1: Sure. So the state superintendent of education may prepare and make available for school boards instructional materials that may act as guidelines for development of the unit of instruction on media literacy. So we can just take a look at the social studies inquiry skills, Um, for example, that give you defined guidelines uh, about how to uh, approach this subject at, from the perspective of an educator.
0: So what would be the next steps then in the process? We have
1: to make sure to get it passed on the Senate floor, and then it'll go to the governor for a signature.
0: Before I let you go, we are near the end of the spring legislative session right now. So what are some of your priorities this week?
1: Wanting to make sure that I get my 17 bills passed out of uh, the Senate would be one of my biggest priorities, but also keeping a big, you know, clear eye on what's happening with the budget and making sure that one of my top priorities, which is fully funding that evidence-based funding formula for education. Um, these are some of the, the things that I'll be keeping an eye on.
0: Well, best of luck with those. That is Democratic State Senator Karina Villa of Chicago. Senator, thanks for your time. Thank you. Let's turn now to media literacy expert Michael Spikes. He is a Ph.D. candidate at Northwestern University who's helped teachers develop this new media literacy curriculum. Hi, Michael. Welcome to Reset.
2: Hi. Good to be
0: with you. So you've been listening along, uh, Michael, to my conversation with uh, Senator Villa and, and hearing what she was saying about teaching media literacy at the high school level and why that's important. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple of
2: things that have come up. You know, when I've talked with a couple of different people about really implementing media literacy into K-12 through curriculum. One of the things that's important to note is that this is not just a one-and-done sort of thing where we just teach, you know, some simple heuristics or ways of thinking when coming towards information. It's really something that we want to implement as a way of thinking, being, and doing for students when they come towards information. And also in response, the second thing, in response to that uh, lawmaker that thought about objectivity of teachers when teaching these sort of things, something that should be thought of and really kept in mind is that a really good media literacy class should not be indoctrination. That is the furthest thing uh, from what this is meant to be. What we want to do is we want to encourage students to ask smart questions when they hear new pieces of information. How do I know what I know? How does this person know what they know? How might my own dispositions be positioning me in a way to think about the way that I do about this new piece of information? Mm -hmm. So it goes well, well beyond some of the ways that some people have thought about it.
0: Why the high school level? Why not earlier? Just explain the thinking behind that.
2: I mean, I'm an educator at heart, and I would really emphasize that this could be taught almost at any level. But I do think that probably some of the thinking um, in this for high school students goes to setting themselves up and setting their own identity. And really trying to make them think about information literacy, news literacy, media literacy as a part of their ongoing development thinking processes as they develop their own identities as people as they become adults. So this may be one of the reasons why we think about teenagers, older teenagers, learning these kind of skills.
0: Let's go back and and make sure everyone's following us here. Let's explain what we mean exactly, Michael, by media literacy.
2: So what media literacy is, it's learning a set of knowledge. It's knowledge structures and skills to build critical thinking skills in relation to the consumption of media and the creation of media. So we're teaching young people how to think mindfully and critically about how they interpret information, especially when it comes through media, and what are the procedures that take place when certain media messages are created, who are the people who create them, and so on.
0: Well, to that end, talk about the real-life consequences, then, of, of fake news or misinformation, especially right now during a pandemic.
2: Well, we've seen a lot of them. We've seen how easy it is to spread misinformation and disinformation, especially within A media information ecosystem, which is something that lots of media literacy educators will talk about, is that a lot of that information is disintermediated, meaning that these media messages go straight from creators straight to the consumers without there being some sort of human intermediary who can pick and choose and say, you know, this is good, this is not, or this has been vetted, this has not. Now it's up to the consumer to really make those kind of choices. So now, you know, we as consumers have to be much more mindful about our media consumption. So that's what media literacy really looks to teach. It looks to teach those skills so that the media consumer can be thinking of all these different kinds of questions that they need to take into account when they're trying to figure out how good is this information or how unhelpful might this information
0: be. Well, as we mentioned, Michael, you have experience developing curriculum for schools. Where do you even begin with that? What can you tell us about that?
2: Well, I think the most important thing we have to start with is understanding where the learner is starting from. We can't walk into the spaces just saying, well, we are experts. Even for myself, I was a high school teacher years ago, even before I was creating curriculum, and particularly in my area of news media literacy But it's really important to understand when you walk into a room of, say, high school students or even in a room of adults who have said, well, I'm interested in this, but how can I come towards this? You don't want to come into that space just saying, well, I'm this expert and I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. You need to be reading USA Today or the New York Times or the Washington Post. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to understand where are these students coming from? Where do they get their information from? There are many times when I talk to especially teachers about news literacy issues, and they'll say, my students, they probably don't even know what a newspaper is, right? They, they haven't seen them. They don't interact with them. Mm-hmm. But then we have to ask those young people, okay, what information are you consuming and where are you getting it from? And then from that, we can use some core understandings, I think some key understandings for applying more mindful consumption to those places where they're getting their information from. So we have to start where they are. You always have to start where the learner
0: is. You just kind of briefly touched on it, but what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions when it comes to doing this kind of work?
2: I think number one is something I've talked about before, and that is people get worried that if we're going to talk about media literacy or in particular we start talking about news literacy, they get worried that it's going to be a partisan sort of thing. And they say, well, you're just going to try to tell me that the places where I go to get information or the people I trust, I should not trust them. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. I remember doing a workshop a few years ago where I talked talked at a a local library, and I was talking about media bias in particular. And I used some examples from outlets like the Washington Post or the New York Times. And I had a gentleman come up to me afterwards and say – you know, I liked what you were teaching, but I had some problems with some of the examples. So I asked him, where do you get your information from? And he gave me a couple of sources that maybe I might have said, mm, you might want to think, you know, a little bit differently about those. But he was able to see like what I was showing had very little to do with just those examples. It was not so much me trying to tell him where he should get his information from, but what's skills he should use or which ways of thinking he might want to use to interrogate the things that he was seeing, to think about the things that he was hearing and seeing and and so on, and use that as a heuristic for understanding all kinds of information, no matter where it comes from.
0: According to a recent survey, American trust in the media is at an all-time low. How do you think news outlets can adapt in this climate, what should our priorities be?
2: As a pretty adamant news consumer myself, I think number one is just to focus on informing their audiences, making sure that the work that they do is always towards that goal. There are some times where, you know, we can understand that something we teach and some of the lessons that I use is that lots of times news sometimes sits in a medium such as, like, television, and not just only uh, singling them out, but sometimes news sits in these mediums that are primarily used for entertainment purposes. And sometimes they adopt some of those same techniques. And that can be helpful for gaining people's attention, but is it really great for giving them the information that they need? So sometimes that focus has to be on how do we make sure that we continually give in our communities the information that they need to participate in a society mm-hmm. but we have to do that towards informing consumers of media not just trying to get their attention and that's what I would really emphasize for newsmakers and journalists just continue to make sure that your goals are to inform not just to gain attention or to entertain.
0: Well, as we wrap here, Michael, any quick tips for our listeners on how to spot fake news?
2: Well, I would tell them if they ever hear somebody use the term and say that's fake news, the first thing you should ask yourself is, well, what things might this person have behind them? What are the motivations that this person might have for calling that thing fake news? And to ask themselves, how do I know what I know? And how does the person giving me this information know what they know so that we can start this process of really just saying, you know, where did this come from? How do I know this? Maybe I might need to go to another source to make sure that this information is correct. You know, use that tool. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is.
0: That's Michael Spikes, media literacy expert at Northwestern University. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. And that's today's Reset, from breaking news to important cultural issues to the arts and beyond. Come back each day for a lively conversation guaranteed to inform and delight you. And please take a minute to give us a rating or review. It really helps other folks find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow.
1: At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes